McShane Bible Study, day 43, and we're starting in Genesis 45, which is just awesome. Um, the, the chapter ends with uh, Jacob saying, it's enough, Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So, you know, again, Joseph being the picture of Jesus and, and the fact that <laughs> the father, you know, he looked dead and now he's alive. But the symbolism throughout this chapter is amazing. So verse 5 says, and now, oh, just, okay, let me give you an overview if you're not reading along. Um, this is when Joseph finally breaks down and tells his brothers that he is, in fact, Joseph. He's not just some, you know, Egyptian lord. He's their brother and an Egyptian lord. And they, you know, they can't even believe it. They can't get their minds around it at first. But he convinces them and he says, look, there's going to be, there's been two years of famine, but there's going to be five more and, you know, come here and I'll protect you. Go back, get your father, get everything else, and I'll protect you. So that's basically the outline of the chapter. But now let's look at it. Verse 5 says, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Well, why did Jesus have to go to death? It's to the cross. It's because we sold him, right? We, we were born into sin. You know, Adam is our father originally. And then we all know that we live in sin, and someone had to pay for that. And so we sold Jesus uh, to death uh, in order that he could come. He says, God sent me before you to preserve life. And verse 7 goes on, And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So God always preserves a remnant people that are true to his way. And we see that pictured here. Verse 8, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. So again, who has established Jesus uh, in the heavenlies at his right hand? Well, it's God. And so Joseph's applying that to himself as well, which is obviously true. Verse 20, have no concern for your goods. So he's telling them, just come on up into Egypt. Um, he says, have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So again, a picture, you're going to have to leave your old life behind. And some of those things you hold dear to you. But if you want to enter into the safety, security, and blessing that is the Father's house, then you have to leave that old way behind. That old way is judged and found wanting. You have to leave that. You have to leave your good. But what he has for you is better. So have no concern for your goods. For the best of the land of Egypt is yours. He's saying what I have for you is better than your old things. You're attached to your old things. Not going to be easy to get rid of them. But what I have for you is better. And that's God's promise to us. 22, you remember that I mentioned, uh, I don't know, a day or two ago, that uh, Benjamin was a picture of the Sun Company. And we see here, and that's Revelation 12, if you're not familiar, verse 22, to each and all of them he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. So we see, obviously this doesn't necessarily refer to money as far as what the picture means. The picture talks, it's, it involves spiritual blessing. Verse 24, Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. So here he's a picture of the unity 
that God requires in his bride, in his body of Christ, whatever picture you want to use, that there should be unity. Just a beautiful chapter. We then flip to uh, Mark 15, and it's just interesting, you know, Jesus is going through kind of the the trial, uh, the torture, the crucifixion, and throughout it, throughout, you know, the, the guards, when they're getting him ready, and then while he's on the cross, everyone is mocking him. But the things they're saying are actually true, and, and the Pharisees specifically say, come down from the cross and we'll believe. Well, he did, and they didn't believe. So the, uh, the mocker's heart <laughs> thinks he is wise and logical, but truly... His wisdom comes from a mocking heart and is no wisdom at all. It's wisdom of the world. God makes the foolish, the wise foolish, and he raises up those who are willing to be foolish for him to enter the mind of Christ, have another way of thinking, another way of experiencing this world, this reality, and enter into his kingdom. And then we move to Job 11, and his friend Zophar speaks. And Zophar, man, he's a tough man. <laughs> he offers some biting criticism to Job. But then, actually, most of what he says is very true, particularly even the parts that might not ring true to us. If we look at it in, in light of Christ and what he does for us, it, it's, it's mostly all true. And so it's interesting. Um, there's just a lot of hidden wisdom. In this back-and-forth argument, and God's going to kind of shut them all down at the end, there's a lot of hidden wisdom in here, and, and really, he's just shutting them down for, well, actually, what Zophar is saying here, the hubris of the heart. Um, but it, but it's interesting to see that there's some wonderful... Uh, I'm really coming around. I For years, I wasn't a big fan of Job, but the more times I read it, the more I'm coming around to enjoying it. When we move to Romans 15, this first paragraph, verses 1 through 7, really... It's really a picture of what the body of Christ should look like. He starts out, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. So who's our neighbor? It's not just every random person. It's it's the next uh, potential or or budding son of God that we can raise up to join into the, the, the glory of his life, that we can be unified as one body, that we who are more mature will help others. He says, you know, you, you, Christ didn't please himself, so don't please yourself. Don't, don't live for your own life, but, but bless others. Let the Christ that's in you raise others up. So again, it's, it's not just random um, worldly philosophy. Let's just be nice to everyone. It's purposefully building up the body of Christ so that the glory of the Lord shines. And that's actually where he's going. But that the glory of the Lord shines in his people so clearly that everyone wants to come into this glory. And so again, we see harmony. I mentioned in the uh, earlier chapter, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when I talked about the unity that we see pictured in uh, Joseph and and his family, that Joseph's instruction to them, it's the same instruction that Paul is giving here, that we work towards humbling ourselves before the Lord, uh, growing to the Lord, loving him, and then loving our neighbor, growing, helping them to grow so we become one unified body of Christ. 
Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And then Paul takes one more stab at saying, look, God said many times through the prophets uh, and through Moses that and through Abraham and Isaac Jacob that he would bring people from all over the world, not just the Jews, to him. Well, how does that how does that relate to our day? Because no one, I almost didn't speak about this because everyone's cool with that. <laughs> everyone's got that. But how does it relate? It's actually very pertinent. Well, when, if we think of Christians as what were Jews back then and the people of the world, the Lord's going to flip everything upside down. Many who today call themselves Christians will fall away. Scripture is very clear about that. And there will be a huge harvest. Many people that are not Christians today will come in. And so are we welcoming or do we look at there's certain things about them and think, oh, we're better than them. We're not, you know, they're not like us. You know, are we welcoming or are we uh, are we not? And uh, so he's very clear. Look, God wants to bring all people. So don't allow your perceptions of people get in the way of God's work for you towards those people. Remember, we would have thought that God would have sent Paul to the Jews because Paul was a Pharisee and he knew the law, and Peter to the Gentiles because he was a simple fisherman. But God didn't do it that way. He sent Peter to the Jews, and he sent Paul to the to the Gentiles. So God might ask you to do something that's way outside your comfort zone, and are you willing to live for God, or are you still holding on to your flesh in your own way of thinking? And yet we see, actually, that there's a cool, Paul has a, a, you know, a revelation, epiphany, whatever you want to call it, of this later on. He's in verse 20, says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So he says it's actually easier it's more simple, it's more pure to build on a clean slate, to establish a new foundation of, of Christ in people's life than it is to build on the religious structure that it was already there. God established the religious structure of the people according to the law of Moses. And it always pointed to Christ. And so you would think logically that it was easiest to just keep building because they had all this history but the problem is, although those things were perfect and pure and, and ordained by God, they had been corrupted by man over time. So the way people understood the law was corrupted. Well, it's the same thing in our day. The way people understand our faith has been corrupted by man many times. So if you look historically, what God has always done over and over and over again is he wipes out the old thing and he pulls out a remnant and he starts fresh. And Paul is saying... That's how I prefer to work, because then we can build cleanly, not on the religion of man, but on the, but through the pure spirit of God and how he is building his house. What all will that look like? How will that be? Well, I don't know. It's got to be led by the spirit of God, not by me, not by you. And so it's going to be a wondrous thing to be a part of, but it has to be us giving ourselves to the Lord continually, wanting his will over any ideas we have, and then going through the steps, doing what he sets before us day by day. And that, just a side note, it's interesting as you read the last couple chapters of Romans 15, it, it appears, and I, I don't know, I'm not at the moment 
trying to study when people think this was written, but it appears it's written on his last leg down to to um, Jerusalem, where he gets arrested, sent to Caesarea, then the shipwreck, and then eventually to uh, Rome. He knew he was supposed to go to Rome, and so he asked for them to pray that he's not arrested or hurt there, but that then he will come to Rome. So he knew God, but it's, that's actually instructive for us. In the way we hear from God, um, we, we typically hear in part, but we don't know the full thing. And so we can fill in the gaps with our understanding, which quite often we'll find out is not correct. So be careful to hold loosely to things that are your, are your own understanding. Okay, I've made this mistake in the past multiple times. Um, where I thought one thing, well, I just that was a gap I filled in. The Lord didn't say that part. I just filled that in because it seemed logical to me. Well, God is not constrained by our logic. And so Paul did go to Rome, <laughs> but not the way he was wanting to. Uh, so anyways, that's instructional. thought I would share that last bit. And uh, I, yeah, I really appreciate you all listening. And it's a blessing to me to do this. And so the Lord bless you today.